0: Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Daemonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. <laughs> no vision and rash. Welly, welly 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 well. Paul Frederick here. Dave 2.0. Hope everyone's doing well. So I saw Lords of Chaos the movie recently. Lords of Chaos and this is the uh film narrative film version of the book Lords of Chaos which is about the Norwegian black metal scene, and specifically about the uh, antics of the band Mayhem, and Euronymous, and, and uh, of course, Varg Vikernes, and all of these guys, and I gotta say, it was an intense movie, I really, really enjoyed it, it was really heavy and really deep, and you really got into the feel of it. It really put you in, put you into it. And, you know, all the actors had, and Euronymous uh, um, is played by Rory McCulkin, the youngest brother from uh, Cully McCulkin, the Home Alone guy. And uh, they all just speak in regular uh, Americanized accents. And so... Um, some people I know are disappointed by that. They want to hear them speaking in Norwegian or, or with Norwegian accents to to give you the feel for that. But I like the fact that they were speaking in casual American accents because it, for me being an American and a, a largely American audience, it give you gives you the feel of you know that you know these are just kids and it's real casual. Um, and I think it's important to understand that. You know a lot of that stuff was going on um, when I was younger. I remember it, I remember it all happening um, in the early 90s when I first started hearing about the church burnings in Norway when that first came out in the in the news and no one knew who it was yet. Um, I think there was a lot of suspicion that it was, you know, black metal groups, satanic groups, certainly. And I remember some people saying, oh, cool. This is like, you know, you know, Satanism, satanic revolution, because there's, there was, you know, those types of people around at the time. And for myself, I remember initially being very concerned about it because, you know, thinking we were on the on the you know, it felt like we were on the downside from the satanic panic, you know, and that our that that we had made strides as a movement. Communicating to the world that we are, um, you know, serious, respectable members of society, productive, creative individuals, law-abiding, high, very high standard of personal ethics, and all of those sorts of things. And um, remember hearing about the church burnings and thinking, oh man, this is this is not this is not good. This is just going to stir up another wave of hysteria. And of course. You know, you you assume that it was, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, crazy teenagers, and of course, that's exactly what it turned out to be, is a bunch of uh, crazy teenagers that were doing it. So, it brought it back, it brought back a lot of memories for me from that time period, um, and I also remember um, somewhere, I think it was in Cleveland, Ohio, we were, I was with Morphine Angel this is several years later down the road and we had done a show with the Electric Hellfire Club and we were talking about it and this is after it had come out in the news that you know the identity of the killers and I didn't rem- I didn't remember any of their names or anything at the time I'm like just you know it's just some idiots and I remember talking about that we were discussing you know what all that means I also remember Nin- 1994, 1995 is when Morphine Angel toured in Australia. And we played a show in Brisbane. And we played with a metal band. And that band was uh, immortal. And they, but they were just another band touring. Uh, we were just they were a band touring from Australia. They were on the same bill as us. Um, they're great guys. We hung out. I mean, we're all like kind of the same age, and you know, we all had, you know, long black hair and wore black, um, and you know, we had guitars and stuff, and so we related pretty well. And I remember rocking out to their music, and they're cool guys. And then they left. And I never thought about them again until many years later. I realized that they were one of the black metal bands that um, from that, from that area, um, and that scene. So I, I, you know, I can't help but thinking about that when I'm, when I'm watching this film, Lords of Chaos. Another thing that I really, really liked about this movie, and you know, this is going to happen all through this episode. I'm going to go back and forth. I'm going to talk about the movie and then I'm going to start talking about my, my personal life, uh, and experiences because, you know, I realized seeing the movie and afterwards that it's really hard for me to separate them. There's so many things in this movie that touch upon personal experiences that I had and the time period um, when I was um, younger and, and a little bit more rock and roll oriented, I guess you might say. And another thing I really liked about this movie is the way it portrayed Varg because they did a really good job uh, portraying Varg Vikerness as being the um poser um <laughs> wanker sociopath um you know person that he obviously is and 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 I thought they did a really good job um what's the guy's name uh Ethan Ethan Cohen I think is the actor's name who happens to be Jewish and um, and and he's and he's and he's kind of heavy set too. I'm not going he's he's not fat, but but compared to Varg who was like really skinny and everything, he looks kind of chunky. And you you think that immediately when you see him, but then I mean he he plays the role like so well, I think that that it just fits right into it and it's just all just completely believable and you feel like you're right there in the in the action with it. Um, And so Varg is the other thing. It's just, you know, I was was, always been really annoyed by the people who, who idolize Varg um, because the guy is just obviously no good at all. Um, You know, even now he's, you know, he's putting up his YouTube videos and talking about, you know, the same old shit, like how, um, How Oystein, you know, he was a poser and he deserved it and, and he kicked me, you know, and so it was in self-defense that I stabbed him, you know, 36 times in the back and twice in the head or, or whatever it is. And it's like, you know, you're just such an idiot, you know, you just it, it doesn't even matter what you say. You stabbed your friend in the head. There's not an excuse for that. And the other thing that's messed up about this and, and, you know, Gary and I used to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about Gary more in a minute, the, the first guitarist for Asmodeus X. Um, but we used to talk about this. Uh, the, the irony with Varg is is that, and really all these guys, and and they, they point this out in the movie too, they illustrate it really well. They live in an idyllic um, you know, socialist kind of society where I mean, they just have everything provided for them, and and they just like threw it all away because of this. And I know someone's gonna say, well, it's because they're, you know, they're they're bored, and I and I relate to that too, because I remember what it was like for me growing up in uh, Nebraska, in in the Midwest of the United States, which is just a cold flat land with like lots of snow and wind and it's in the, in, it's in the middle of nowhere and you're just, you're completely not on the map if you want to do music, which I did, you know, I, I came out of Nebraska wanting to do, wanting to do Gothic music. And you realize that everyone else in America, well, they just, they won't even let you in the door. They just, they, they think it's humorous just that you're from Nebraska. So it's a completely uphill battle. So you just you you develop a real attitude and you realize that you no know, you have to really you really have to fight tooth and claw to get on the map. And so I, I I understand that. And you also have the the um the fact that it's a it's 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 a boring kind of place and nothing ever happens there. And so it's just so there is like this sort of Uh, anger and aggression and frustration that builds up there. And I know I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of that as I was growing up there. I had many brushes with what could have turned into something um, really bad. But fortunately, it didn't. I consider myself so fortunate. And here's the irony for me. One of the reasons I didn't fall further down that path of chaos is because of Satanism and then later sedianism. and ideas like that, which uh, basically showed me that my exclusivity was an asset and not a bad thing. And by exercising my exclusivity, um, I could find a uh, higher form of virtue and creativity out of that. And uh, eventually the idea of ex- exercising your exclusivity um, leads into the idea of exercising the gift of set towards the act of uh, dynamic self-transformation and becoming and so here's the other irony there is that these these metal guys in in Norway completely rejected the westernized form of Satanism so um, you know, uh, Varg always says, you know, his thing is like, well, I wasn't a Satanist. I was a national socialist, you know, to, to make himself, to set himself apart from that. Um, but then, Euronymous, um, there's a, a quote from some interview he did um, where they asked him what he thought about Crowley and Western Satanism, and he said, we reject all that, and we reject LaVey, and we don't believe in the law of do what thou wilt, we believe in, they must do what we will. So, um, I mean, that says it all right there. It's just a really immature form of, of uh, kind of, uh, you know, fascism and, 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 and collectivism too, really. And no, uh, none, none of the realizations or acknowledgements of the higher aspects of philosophy or the left-hand path uh, which, again, is, is all a great reason why the legitimate left-hand path uh, did and and has continued to uh, divorce itself from it and make it really clear that, that that kind of stuff is not what the left-hand path is about. It's not about um, you know rock and roll suicide, and it's not about taking over the world with black metal, and it's certainly not about... Uh, Bard, I, or uh, not Bard, Ithun. He, he's another one of the uh, killers out of this group. Um, but uh, Varg, with his, um, you know, national socialist kind of fantasies. But these guys all lived in this uh, idyllic society, especially, especially Varg. So you know, he, he lived in this 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 easy easy world where. It's a welfare state, so he didn't have to work. And his parents were rich. And and he could just put out albums, you know, for the rest of his life. But, no, nah, he had to go, like, stab his friend in the head. And and, and, and he, the other thing is, like, he got sentenced to murder for, like, I think 21 years. And he got out after 15 years in the incredibly liberalized penal system that they have over there. In America, he'd still be in prison. Or he might have been facing the death penalty, um, even even more likely. And you know, I think he he would be a good um, a good proponent for it. I mean, if you want to argue about the uh, you know the legitimacy legitimacy of the death penalty, this would be a great great situation uh, to make a case where it would apply here. But not only did he get out after 15 years while he was in prison, and and there's a couple of videos. Um, there's a uh, documentary called "Until the Light Takes Us," which has uh, a lot of the interviews with him while he's in prison, and you can go see all these on YouTube. and And you look at the prison; he's like, it it looks like a it looks like a, a fucking Hampton Inn or something. And it's like, no, well no, that's the Norwegian prison. He's got some nice curtains there. and 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 he recorded like three albums, I think, while he was in prison. He recorded albums when he was in prison, and some people think it's his best. This is another thing that really bothers me, is when people are like, Varg, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm so so torn because that was so lame that he, like, killed his friend and stabbed him in the head, but his music is like, I really love the music. And I'm like, no, 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 his music isn't good either. Like that Dowdy Baldur's album that he did, it's the first album he did in prison where he did it all electronic, and people think it's so amazing, it's it's the same sequence over and over and over. each song is like one, the same sequence just repeated for like ten minutes. It is not amazing. It is not good musicianship. Okay, it's just an oddity. You know, it's it, you should listen to this for the same reason that you listen to you know Charles Manson's music, I guess. But. So okay so not only is he it, it, and then his prison sentence was like commuted to like 15 years 15 years. So it, and he tried to escape at one point too. You you have to wikipedia this. You look this up to see the details. But he he actually escaped from prison and was found like gathering explosives to go on another some other terrorist spree. And so they just put him back at prison. And after all of that after stabbing his friend in the head, burning down churches, Escaping and with and, and being involved in an explosive terrorist plot, he got out early after fifteen years. And now he lives he, he's lives in France and he got married and he has three kids and he wrote published some books and he puts up his YouTube videos where he, you know, talks about, you know, the old ways and Odin and shit. And it's just like it, it, I, I don't know what it means. It's a. How does this happen? how How does someone go through and do all that stuff, and then they just serve fifteen years, and they have a good time while there? They make him real comfortable while he's in while he's in jail there. They let him like you know work on his albums, and now he's you know he's got a family, he's got he's got kids, and, you know, Euronymous, he doesn't get to have kids. What about him? I mean, he was the one who's trying to organize things and and, and and help him get his album out and everything and, and he doesn't he doesn't get to have kids. He doesn't get to be married. You know, what about him? So, I mean Varg Varg clearly is a is a sociopath and and the system that he lives in, in my opinion, is 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 kind of sociopathic too. How else could a system like that um, allow someone to to continue to exist like that. It's just, I don't know, it's in, in embarrassing to see it happen. But getting back to the the film, it it, it certainly portrays Varg. It does not it, it doesn't glorify Varg. And I was really glad about that. I was really glad. at least it does, it does not glorify him and, and it really portrays him in the kind of light, uh, with the kind of personality that I think um, he most certainly has. And so I like that aspect of the film. The other thing that it made me think a lot about was, as I mentioned before, uh, my friend Gary, who was uh, Frank Faust in, in my band Asmodeus X. And he played guitar during the first few years when Asmodeus X kind of had a more uh, metalish, we would be more industrial metal. And there's a couple of songs, if you go back and find the album uh, Wolf Age, there's a couple of songs where you can really tell the black metal influence on it. And that's, and that's from Gary, absolutely, 100%. And the way I first met Gary was um, we'd moved into a new apartment uh, Takara so apartments in the Montrose area in in Houston which which are famous if you've been around uh, in the scene here for a while lots of people have lived there Bozo porno circus the band lived there um, and and a couple of other uh, notable notables uh, from the scene Christian from the hates also lived there for a long time we were neighbors with him when we first moved in also uh, Kelly Kelly Wilkins um, who was, the uh, who was also in Bozo Porno Circus lived a few doors down for me, and Gary was friends with him, and so Gary would come over and and hang out with him, and that's where I first met Gary. Uh, is at Kelly's place, and you know Kelly was into uh, definitely into LeVayan Satanism, and so we would talk about those things. Gary was into Levee and Satanism, and you know I I just been I just spent all this time up north hanging out with the uh, Electric Hellfire Club and, and 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 gigging with them with my band Morphean Angel. And and so we and and so he was like one of the people around in the scene who is familiar with the Hellfire Club. And so we talked about that. And he was also really into the black metal thing. And that book Lords of Chaos um had well, you know, I, I, I can't remember now if it had just come out or if it came out shortly after Um, I started hanging out with Gary, but, um, we'd read a lot of the same books and, you know, there's a lot of people that I would meet in the scene back then who would like, we'd talk about books a little bit and they'd start saying, yeah, I like this book or that book. And then I'd realize really quick that they hadn't actually read a lot of books. And there was a lot of people who would pretend, and I'm sure it's still like this anywhere you go in a, any kind of like scene like that. There's always a lot of people who just kind of who pretend like they've read certain things and they just learn the buzzwords for it and just kind of follow along with it. And you can always tell right away. These people aren't aware of it, but it's always really obvious when you're lying about if you've read this or that book when the person you're talking to has read the book. But Gary was like one of the first people I met in the scene who was totally genuine And he was, he was really, really fucking smart. And we were just on the same level with so many things. And his whole story was, you know, he'd, he'd come from a rough background with like, you know, skinheads and drugs and, and, uh, you know, his own descent into chaos himself. And he had, he had lifted himself out of that. He had lifted himself out of that. He got straight. He went to school and got a, a technical degree in in video editing, and he had a job at uh, Fox Sports doing video editing, and um, and you know he was you know doing doing well, and he had a a, a black metal band that he was trying to get going, and. Um, was having trouble you know with like band members and stuff like that and I was trying to get Asmodeus X going and I kind of didn't have anyone at the time either um I was just kind of like trying to get things going on my own and, and 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 doing some programming and stuff like that and so and so we started I was like hey you want to get together and try and do something with some of the stuff I'm working with you know he'd start coming over to, to my apartment and we'd have a beer and we'd talk about. You know, left-hand path philosophy, and um, you know, world history, all these sorts of things, and uh, and 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 also the black metal scene. He was into all of that stuff, and so he was telling me about that, and he'd play me play me the music. You know, this is where you know, certainly I first heard, like, you know, uh, you know, mayhem and and dark funeral, and um, and 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 the immortal and, and, and started jamming to all of these things. And, you know, so then I started playing them like some of the uh, beats that I was working with for Asmodeus X. And I was like, well, maybe you could play guitar on that. And then, and that's where our whole, um, uh, friendship grew out of and, and our uh, creative partnership that went on for several years. And, um, and, and so Here's, here's the point I want to make about this, the interesting thing about this, and it has to do with chaos. It's so appropriate that they called this this, this book, The Lords of Chaos, and the movie, The Lords of Chaos, because of the chaos within it. And it's a lesson in chaos because um, the whole narrative about Euronymous uh, and Varg is a story about how about where chaos leads. Like if chaos is simply allowed to just grow, it, it it tells you where it leads. It leads into total destruction of of everything. It's a destruction of the soul, destruction of like, um, you know, the body, destruction of individuality, and the destruction of freedom. And so Gary was like really into these these things. There was a certain point in the band. And I'm always going back and trying to figure out when this was. And at this point in time, I feel it had to do with when we we toured the West Coast. um, And we hung out with this Michael St. Thomas guy from Michael St. Thomas Records, which, you know, people in the in the uh, goth scene from back then would uh, probably remember his name. He uh, promoted a couple of bands around at the time. Babylonian Tiles was one of them. And, and, and two things happened from, and this guy was a snake. I'll say now he was like, a, he, this, this guy was a total snake. And I don't know where he is. He's not around anymore. He's not doing anything. He's probably hiding out somewhere or if, if he's even still alive. But at the time I was like really desperate to like try and get a, try and get a record deal. So that's another thing about the Lords of Chaos movie is it shows you how desperate people are um, to get, their music out, that they will make deals with evil. Uh, Even when, you know, some part of it tells you that, yeah, no, you know this person is evil, but you think that you're smart enough, that you're clever enough, that that you can accept a little bit of this evil, and then you'll, like, be able to get something out of it for yourself, and then you'll win in the end and not be taken down with the evil. But what I didn't realize then is that when you compromise with evil evil wins. And so somewhere from this whole California tour, two things happen. One thing is uh, Michael St. Thomas started giving uh, Gary uh, pills, opioids, like uh, Valium. And, you know, Gary had a, had a drug addiction thing in the past, which I didn't know him then. So I didn't know, you know, I I, I wasn't I, it didn't create uh, the uh, red alerts for me that it should have. And then the other thing that happened was when we were driving back home to Houston from that tour in um, West Texas, somewhere in the middle of West Texas, uh, the driver of the vehicle swerved in the middle of the night to try and avoid hitting a deer, and, and we wrecked. And It was a horrible wreck. Uh, this uh, truck overturned like three or four times uh, totally totaled the truck and just somehow miraculously, just totally miraculously, none of us were hurt. There's like five of us at the time, four four in the band and one uh, crew guy and no one was hurt from it. but it was a shock to be sure. I remember talking with Gary afterwards about about it and we'd say hey man you ever wonder if maybe during that wreck maybe we uh maybe we actually died but we just aren't aware of it yet Ooh. <laughs> I still I still think that sometimes but it was a huge shock and and really nothing was ever the same after that um, when we got back um to Houston and we started working on new material and that song uh there's a song called uh the tiger which um came out on uh on the it's on the album Wolf Age and then we did a reiteration of it on uh on The Bright Ones and we continued to work on music and and we did more gigs and then what was happening though is like Gary had developed a major like opioid problem from there on out and it just got worse and worse and worse and he got more and more into all of this music like he was it wasn't just like the self-destructive like black metal stuff but he's also into Gigi Allen and and all these other icons of self-destructiveness and we would like we would like have philosophical discussions about this and you'll hear me say this today too That you are what you eat. And as Gurdjieff said, impressions are food. So if you fill yourself with impressions that are all about chaos and self destruction, it's going to lead you in the direction of chaos and self destruction. And that's what happened with Gary. So, like, within like two, I think, you know, three years of like coming back from California, he was dead overdosed on on drugs. I mean, it just can, can, can progressively got worse and he got into Oxycontin and all these other things and then he was dead. And so this is always the other thing I think about when I'm watching this, this Lords of Chaos movie all the way through. All the way through this movie, I'm thinking of Gary. I'm thinking of the times when we, when the good times when we hung out and we're young and we're like, you know, we're jamming out to music and we're like, yeah, we're going to be rock stars one day. And then I'm thinking of the end when after he's dead and gone, he's consumed. He was consumed by it all. He was consumed by the chaos. He couldn't break out of it no matter what. And it's really painful to watch someone go through that. So that's the other thing about about the Lords of Chaos and is, is the lesson of it for me that You have to be conscious and conscientious about the influences that you bring into yourself. And, you know, I go back and listen to black metal music, and you know what I love? I love a lot of that stuff. My God, some of that mayhem stuff is just so deep and uh, over um, and, and, and immortal and... All these bands, I'll always love them. But when I listen to them, I'll go through a phase every once in a while. And this is what I did after I saw that movie. I went through a, a, re, a rekindling with all the old black metal stuff, and went and got some new albums. You know, see how, see where they are today. Yeah, they they're all cleaning up their acts, and they're all getting mature. And I'll jam out to this stuff for a little while. But then after that, you know, I'm like, I after. You know, I get my fill of it. I sense the chaos, right? I get my fill of the chaos, and I remember, oh, yeah, this doesn't lead anywhere. This doesn't go anywhere. And then I, oh, I've i had enough, and I'm going to go listen to something else for a while. And the other thing I think of when I'm watching it is this is based on a book written by Michael Moynihan, who is someone that I know personally and I have met personally before. And actually, um, his wife played violin on the, uh, Verdandi deal folk project that I did with Alice Carl's daughter. So, you know, it's like that six degrees of separation thing. I'm watching this movie and I'm like that. This is based on that book he wrote. Right. and, and, you know, sure enough, they had his name at the end. So um, I was happy about that. I'm happy that that he um, is involved with something um, of this scope. Um, so that's, like, great for him. So I was really happy about that. So that's it. Those are my thoughts on Lords of Chaos. Go see the movie. It's fucking cool. Uh, Rory McCulkin does a great job. Great direction. Um, I would have liked it if they had a little bit more uh, actual black metal in it. That's my only actual complaint, I think, about the movie. You know, there's a scene at they're jamming out at a party, and I think they're playing they're playing uh, Do. And I'm sure they listen to that stuff, but you know, I wanted to hear some some more metal. Metal. I think they should have played some Venom. I wish there was more Venom. I don't know. Maybe there was some in there, and I just didn't hear it. But anyhow, um, it's a totally good movie. Go check it out um you will not be disappointed. And that's it for today, my friends. Um, please go uh, check me out, follow me on Twitter, follow me on patreon. you know subscribe to the podcast, go subscribe to us on YouTube and always remember to keep the dark fires burning.